All right, let's go to the book of James in chapter number three, and we're going to finish tonight on the taming of the tongue and, and discuss how that the taming of the tongue is a sign of maturity. And we're going to kind of conclude that tonight. And as we've been walking through the book of James, we've been talking about how that James is given these signs of maturity and, and, and how that you know uh, well, you know, faith without works is dead, being alone, and so James is talking about some things that are works that, that prove that you have faith, and, and we talked last week, proof number three is the taming of the tongue. Earlier it was, in chapter number two, we talked about uh, impartiality and how that uh, walking with impartiality is a sign of maturity, and then walking under the trials uh, with patience is another sign of or proof of faith. And so we're going to look down and just read verses 5, 6, 7, 8, let's see, down through verse number 12, 5 through 12. Even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body. And setteth on fire the course of nature, and is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast, and of birds, and of serpents, and of things in the sea is tamed, and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God, out of, the mouth, out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not be or so to be. Doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries? Either a vine, figs? So can no fountain both yield salt, water, and fresh. So again, we talked about last week, and, and I'm not going to, I don't have time to rehash all of that, but uh, we talked about how the, the tongue and, and how powerful it is and, and how it can be controlled by smaller things like horses in a bridle's mouth and like a ship uh, is, can, is, a great ship is uh, steered by a small rudder and all that. And so, so James is really what he's trying to talk about is your, your tongue may seem like it's a small thing, but, but it, it kindles great fires. And he says in verse number two that the one that does not offend in word, the same as a perfect man and able to bridle the whole body. So, so he's talking about that, listen, your ability to control your tongue is a sign of your maturity. And so as we think about that, we want to think about why taming the tongue matters. And he says there in verse number five, even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. So, so the tongue is an indicator. The tongue is an indicator of control or of chaos. You can tell whether someone has uh, their, uh, their spiritual life in control by their tongue. 
You can tell whether they're working to control their tongue and since they're, they're working to be disciplined in the words that they say, you can think that they've been, they're being disciplined in their Christian life. This week I was telling Kimberly about discipline and I was, I was thinking about it as I was running Monday and I was thinking, you know, I'm disciplined enough to come and run according to my program, so why can't I be disciplined enough to put the plate away? Um, you know, if I'm going to have be disciplined here, I should be able to be disciplined there. And that's kind of what they're talking about here. If, if a person is disciplined in your tongue, in their tongue, you can think that they're disciplined in other places in their life. But if they're not disciplined in their tongue, that's a pretty good indicator that they're not disciplined in other places in their life. And so we understand that the word spoken with a the tongue, they can create, it can create great problems. You know, as the song says, it only takes a spark to get a fire going. So great fires are lit by the carelessness of one match. This past Sunday, as I was here at the church and, and we were getting ready to go to the nursing home and, and uh, anyway, I drove by the, the parking lot here and there was someone, you know, they're over here trading on Sundays now on this parking lot beside the church and and I saw one standing there, and I just saw the morning of the uh, weather service that uh, the chance for wildfires were great on Sunday. And then I was standing there, and I saw someone standing on the side of the parking lot, and they took a cigarette and flipped it over. You know, it was still burning because they flipped it out of their... And I thought, you know, that could start a huge fire just right now, right? It doesn't take much to start a raging fire. And James is trying to get these scattered Christians to understand that just a small word or a word spoken in the wrong manner with the wrong attitude can create a great, notice verse 6 says, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. It defiles the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature. So, so the tongue, even though it is small, can defile the entire body. Every type of moral evil can be expressed by the tongue. And often it is. And again, we understand that the tongue is likely to act according to the defiled nature. I really think that you can tell what's in someone's heart by the words that they speak. And if someone's mouth is full of profanity, I think their heart is probably full of profanity. And so set on fire of hell explains the power and the fierceness of the tongue. The tongue can bring and rage in an instant. And what is spoken by the tongue brings defilement to the entire body. A person cannot be pure if the tongue speaks words that defile. Because remember, the tongue speaks what is in the heart. You know, I can, I can remember through, through my Christian life and, and especially early in my Christian life and, and thinking about profanity and the, and the words that people used and, and people claiming to be Christians. And then you would hear them use a profane word. And I was like, eh, I had a little bit of trouble getting accustomed to that. Like, I thought you was a Christian and you're going to use that word? It didn't seem to go together, you know, and, and uh, so 
So that's always been the case for me. If someone comes and they want to use profanity, it's a big red flag for me. If they profess to be a Christian and use profanity, that's a huge red flag because the tongue is speaking what's in the heart. James tells us there that the tongue is full of deadly poison. So that's why, as believers, that we need to work on our tongues. The wild animals, we've been able to, tongue, to, to tame those, but the tongue is difficult to tame. And so we recognize that what is spoken by the tongue affects the entire person. You know, just recently I watched the video that discussed the value of reducing negative speech. And the point was that if you want to reduce negative speech that, um, that you would just think about, if you wanted to have a more positive out, uh, outlook on life, is that all you should have to do is increase your positive speech. If you wanted to have more positive speech, then add more positive speech. But the part of the video that I watched was that it's not just adding more positive speech, but reducing the amount of negative speech that comes into your life. And it was talking about things like complaining. That if you just are a person that complains, what you're doing is you're releasing negative speech out of your, out of your life. And actually, if you want to have a more positive uh, outlook on life, it's more important to reduce the amount of negative speech, like, huh, I hate this, this uh, time change, you know, that's a negative speech. And it may be true, but you're voicing negativity when you say things like that. And that, that video was talking about that, how that so many people have so much negative speech in their life and I watched the video and I didn't write everything down and then I went back to try to find it again and I couldn't find it again. But anyway, negative speech creeps into our lives through things like complaining about you know, the weather and, and all those kind of things. And so uh, we really ought to pay attention to what we say and not just focus on saying more positive things but controlling the negativity that we speak, the negative things. And one of the things is commiserating with others about their negativity. And, and there's a whole lot of things to think about there. Um, but anyway, the, the tongue has a huge impact on our lives. And if we allow negativity to come out of that, that's going to negatively impact our lives. And, and listen, one of the things that amazes me is you, you got these people that uh, talking about how their life is full of, of anxiety and all this stuff. And then, well, what have you been watching? Well, I've been watching Five, five Nights at Freddy's or I've been watching Freddy Krueger. Or I've been watching, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street or I've been watching Amityville Horror or something like that. Well, yeah, there's a, there's a reason why your life is full of anxiety because you're filling your life with anxiety. And so we want to be careful about the things that we say and recognize how much impact our tongue has in our lives. And now James is going to go on and he's going to say the tongue cannot bless and curse. Look at verse 9. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Actually, 
It's, it's not really possible. You, you, can't, uh, you can't bless God and curse man out of the same mouth. To curse there means to wish evil upon. The same mouth can't wish evil upon that which is made in God's image and then speak positively about God. It's just not possible. And so we need to think about that and what comes out of our mouths and guard our mouths. And then James is going to uh, you give us some examples to stress the point. And he talks about a fountain. Does a fountain bring forth both sweet water and bitter at the same fountain? And we know the children of Israel ran into that, right? I mean, they went to the waters of Mara, and the waters of Mara were bitter to taste. And it wasn't like you went to this, this uh, pond of water, you know, and on the north side it was bitter, and on the south side it was sweet. No, if it's going to be bitter on the north side, it's going to be bitter on the south side. There's, it's just, that's the way it is. You, you, a fountain can't bring forth bitter and sweet water at the same place. Then he goes on to say, can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries? And we know that's not possible, right? But as I was reading this and studying this, even today, I was going back over my notes today, and I, and I got to thinking about grafting. And I got to thinking about, you know, trees bringing forth like red delicious and golden delicious from the same tree. And, you know, they have those grafting classes up to the uh, extension office and you know that, that uh, it's possible to have a tree bring forth uh, a, a uh, golden delicious and a red delicious. And I, and I got into that study to, to make sure, you know, what the case is. And, and the case is this, that in order for a fruit tree to bring forth two different varieties, the varieties have to be of the same family. And there are actually, there's a thing called, I saw today, the, the tree of 40 fruits. So there's one tree that can produce 40 different kinds of fruit, and it takes them about 20 years to develop it. But they're all of the same family. It's not like, you know, an orange or an apple. It has to be like all of the fruit that produce a stone, all stone fruit. All stone fruit, you can graft those together and produce other stone fruit, but you can't produce two fruit of different families. So, so we know that in this case, what he's saying there, can a fig tree bring forth olive berries? No, it's not possible. It's against nature. It's contrary to nature for a fig tree to bring forth olive berries. And can a fountain bring forth salt water and fresh out of the same fountain? And it's no, you cannot have it that way. And so, so again, James is trying to get them to see as they're paying attention to their tongue and recognizing their tongue uh, defiles the entire body. The, the words that you say impact, uh, impact, impact your entire body. We understand that we can't have it both ways. We can't have a mouth that blesses God and curses man. You, you can't have that. You you can't have a mouth that brings forth sweet water and bitter water out of the same mouth. It doesn't work that way. In the words of A.R. Ammons, one can't have it both ways. 
in both ways is the only way I want it, but one can't have it both ways. And so you can't say, I've got a mouth that's, that's I'm going to bless God here, and then you're going to curse man there. It don't work that way, and that's why Christians should pay attention to uh, the words they speak. Now, let's think about it in the context of why James is teaching this. These Hebrew Christians, they're, they're scattered in, in so many different places, and they're going to be uh, coming into new uh, environments and and as they're coming into these new environments and they're influencing the, the people around them, they, they want to pay attention to what they're saying because um, if they're going into a new area, they don't want to be known as one that, is, that, that speaks negativity, that speaks profanity or, or anything like that. You know, you, you don't want to be known as, as a Christian doesn't want to be known as one that speaks negativity and spews negativity and and all of that kind of stuff. You, you want to be known as one that speaks good, positive things. And, and James is trying to let them see the importance of the tongue. The tongue is an indicator of what's in the heart. If the, if the heart, if the, if the tongue speaks bitterness, it means the heart is bitter. And the if the tongue speaks cursing against men, it's because the heart is cursed. We, we all know the, the famous quote by MLK, right? I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will be judged, they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Well, today, we want to understand that someone can judge the content of our character by the words we speak. <clears throat> Someone can judge the content of our character by the words we speak. And so as disciples of Jesus, we need to know and understand that our words reveal our character. And we need to learn to control the tongue because as it says, the tongue is full of the most vile kinds of evil. And so James is challenging these scattered Christians that you're a mature Christian, you think. Okay. Well, the maturity of your Christianity is going to be known by the words that you say. You think that, 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 that you are a mature Christian, well, it'll be proven by the words that you say. So James is challenging these early Christians, these scattered Christians, and we should be challenged today to pay attention to the words we say because the words that we say reveal what's in our hearts. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this night and opportunity we have to look into your word and I pray that our heart will be challenged and that we will focus on our words to speak that which is God-honoring and that we will refrain from saying that uh, which is not God-honoring, God-honoring. We just thank you for the opportunity we have to be in your house today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.